Welcome to the People Planet Profit Podcast. I'm Hayley Jarrick, CEO of the Supply Chain Sustainability School, and today I am joined by Daniel Worm. Daniel is a qualified trainer from the construction industry with a passion for sustainable education. In 2009, he created the award-winning Green Painters Program for the painting industry, educating over 600 painters in three countries. He's a member of the Construction and Property Services Industry Technical Advisory Group and a director of the National Institute of Painting and Decorating. He has created courses for the New South Wales Green Skills Program and co-written sustainability resources for Holmes Glen TAFE Innovation and Learning. In 2015, he created the Green Tradies Program and won Trainer of the Year at the New South Wales Training Awards in Sydney. He's a qualified tradie, holds a diploma in vocational education and training and diploma in business, and since 2017 has managed the Green Building Institute's Energy Smart Builders Program for the Cross Industry Skills Training Program. In addition to writing technical courses for builders and tradies, he teaches business subjects and courses to tradies keen to become more sustainable. The Green Building Institute's a fellow of the Supply Chain Sustainability School, and I'd like to welcome Daniel. Hi, Hayley. Thanks so much for having me on your program. No, I'd love to have you here. Um, so like many guests that we have on the program, Daniel and I could talk for hours about many things sustainability, but we've tried to um, focus all of our attentions on three questions that we'll answer for you in today's podcast. And the first one that I'm going to bring up and ask Daniel is what's it like to run a sustainable small business? Thanks for that question. So obviously now that I'm um, in my role as a, um, a manager and a director of the Green Building Institute, it's a bit different to what I used to do. Um, so just a little bit about my background. Originally, I'm a tradie, so, and I used to run a small business. So I'm wearing my great tradies small business hat here when I'm answering this <laughs> question because I know what it's like to run a small business as a tradie or, or as a builder. Um, so just casting my mind back to when I first started my business. Um, so most tradies never have business training. They do their trade mm. and then they, uh, they might never get any training in business. And that's what happened to me. I started my business when I was 27. I really didn't know what I was doing. And back then, um, that was in the early 2000s, I didn't, uh, there wasn't much business training available. So I made lots of mistakes and there was no such thing as like, you know, YouTube wasn't popular. There wasn't um, online training available. So um, as a, if you're starting a new business now, there's this amazing variety, uh, um, an amazing amount of information available. So my advice to tradies who want to start a business who, or who are running a business already is to get educated, um, learn how to run a business. You might think you've got those skills, but trust me, you don't. Um, and I, I made so many mistakes. I lost money, you know, I got ripped off um, because I didn't know what I was doing. So yeah. now there's this plethora of information and there's really great courses out there to help you to get those business skills. So that's one really important thing that I, I would like to pass on. Um, secondly, find a niche market. And if you're in the green building industry or sustainable building industry, you are in a niche market. It's perfect. It's growing. Um, so find something that you can specialise in and become the go-to person 
or the go-to business for that skill. Um, don't try and be everything and just be like all the other businesses in your space. Mm. Set yourself apart and become really, really good at what you do. And then promote yourself, promote your business. So, you know, apply for various awards if you feel that your projects are award-winning. Um, even if it's not a project, maybe it's your business. Maybe you've done things in your business that have made your business more sustainable. Be proud of it. Apply for different awards. And even if you don't win, you'll still get some kind of um, acknowledgement of what you've done mm. for your business. And, you know, that can help you with, with growing your business. Yeah, I think that's some really great tips for um, for some small businesses there and especially going through. And I know that you've niched it right into tradies and in the building and construction industry. But I think even generally for anyone running a small business, finding your niche is great. And I've always really loved the analogy of, um, you know, you, you've got to find the hole that fits your peg. So if you, you know, if you're a round peg, find a round hole. And don't try and fit in a square, you know, like it's not going to happen. Um, so really just sort of it's around matching and finding yourself in the right place and solving those issues. That's probably really key. Um, and I really liked what you said about, um, you know, so, sort of promoting your business, because for me, I feel like that's the one thing that um, in general, I think many sustainability professionals can learn is that you never you never stop and celebrate the small wins. There's always something else to do. There's always something, you know, you finish one thing and there's another thing that starts pretty quickly. Um, but I think actually scheduling that time to stop and reflect and say that was actually really awesome or it wasn't and we need to improve on it. But actually having that reflection at the end of, of any sort of step in a process or a small business or any small contract win, you know, go out and celebrate it, you know, whether that's just, you know, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy, I think is really important to keep that motivation going, especially as we're all locked down and socially isolated and all sorts of other small things. So I'm sure that you've done that along the way as well um, and getting in there. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that you touched on really great there, I mean, you're in a, you're a great example of evolving and, um, and really rolling with the times as they go through and, um, and learning all new skills along the way, which is not surprising because you're a trainer. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not surprising that you've always got out there and educated in new areas. But I think that um, some people that might have been in an industry for a long time, I mean, you've got some, if you're starting up a new business, then, you know, go and get training. But I think, like you said, along the times of, you know, you might be really great at the trade or the skill that you have. And then when you start up a small business requires a whole different skill set. Um, and that's sort of one example. But I'm sure that even within the skill set that you're professionally found in, uh, you know, those those industries constantly evolve and change. So what would, if I could ask you, what would be your top five sort of new tricks that old dogs in the building industry should learn? Yeah, so um, what you've just said is a really good segue because my first new trick that I would like to um, really uh, recommend is to stay open-minded and be mm. always learning. Like, I'm still like that today. I mean, I, I wasn't always a trainer. Um, and being able to recognise that you need to always keep learning is really important. Even today, after 28 years in the building industry, I'm still always learning. Like, it's really important part of my professional life. And a lot of 
tradies, they get to a stage in their career where they think that they, they're an expert on everything or an expert at what they do. And fair enough, they might have some really uh, good skills, but you never stop learning and you need to have that mindset that you don't know everything and, and that you're open to new ideas. So I think this is one of the things that's preventing a lot of tradies from adopting sustainable building methods and products in their business is because they're happy with what they've been doing and they're not willing to like learn more and learn, keep up to date with new technology. I don't know, maybe they think it's too much of a risk to their business, but it's, it's not a risk. Um, staying at the forefront of technology, particularly sustainability, actually gives you an edge. Yeah. It's not a risk. It's, it gives you an edge over your competitors. Um, so that they're kind of that's kind of my number one uh, thing that I would recommend to people that have been in the industry for a while. Um, second thing is to think about what you would want as a customer. So a lot of people that are running their business, they're always looking at their business from their own point of view. Mm. They're not thinking about well. If I was a customer and I was looking for my service, what would I want? Yeah. Um, and these days, um, it's not necessarily the price that matters. It, people these days are looking for um, healthy homes. So is yeah. there something that makes that your business does that contributes to people having a healthy home um, or having healthy lifestyles? Yeah. Um, Maybe it's um, comfort. So you know, if you're in, if you, if your business is somehow linked with energy efficiency, um, think about how your customers, why your customers would want that, and then how you can appeal to them. Um, I was recently learning a little bit about um, marketing, and there was a famous quote that said, "Sell the sizzle, not the steak," and that was about you know selling meat but when we come to sell sustainability we need to sell the sizzle and the sizzle is healthy homes energy efficient homes lower bills and so that's what we need to do the in the way that we market and manage our businesses as well mm -hmm. something i also i forgot to mention was well it's actually linked to my first point which was about always learning and keeping up to date, and that is to train your staff. So don't expect your staff to have the same passion for what you're doing if you don't train them to have that passion or that if they don't really understand why they're being asked to do things a certain way. So I'll give you a real-life example of that. So right now I'm actually building um, a sustainable home for my own family. We're right in the middle of it right now. So a couple of days ago, I went to inspect the job site and I told the supervisor, you know, make sure that this, um, the corner studs have been insulated. And he knew that and he did one. And I said, yep, yeah, that's great. Keep going, do all the others. And then I, when I went there, none of the others had been done. And I was thinking, what's going on here? Like, why, why did he understand it? And he did it, but then none of the other guys did it. 
And I realized that he probably hasn't passed the message on. So he hasn't trained the other guys to understand why we're doing things a certain way. So really, we need, I, I need to talk to all the guys there on that building site and say, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. I know you've been used to doing things a certain way, but this is the way that we want it done and get them on board. Um, yeah. And by training your staff, you're going to get buy-in from them and they're going to be, you know, more supportive of what you're trying to achieve. Um, the fourth thing I wanted to mention was to, um, to network with like-minded people and people from different backgrounds. So, like, even though I'm a tradie, my colleagues, one of them's an architect and the other one is a energy assessor. So I love that because they bring to my to what we do now a whole range of new skills and new ideas and things that I would never think of simply because I I don't come from that background. Yeah. So that networking is so important and I've learned so much from from people that come from a different background to me. Um be humble. Um, don't be afraid to give praise to others and acknowledge that you can't be an expert in everything. So, you know, if you you will never know, <laughs> you'll never know everything <laughs> about what you do. So, yeah. so always acknowledge other people and be willing to learn from others. That's so important to having a successful business. I think there are some really, yeah, really great tips in there. And I think that they'll resonate with most people, whether you're in a small business or a large business, they're so scalable. So like you said, like always training your staff. I think if you're working on big construction projects, that's training your staff and your suppliers and your subbies on site um, and ensuring everybody's understanding the why we're doing it, not just the what we're doing so that they can understand that. And hopefully, you know, hopefully insulating the studs will be... <laughs> their new norm moving forward of, you know, people will have to tell them not to if they don't want it because that's kind of where we're getting at um, as we're sort of transforming industry and training and everything else as well. Um, and I think you touched on a really good story of, of you know, as people have been doing it the same way every year and, and sort of not wanting to change or not, not have, there's no sort of incentive for them to change and move along. And I think that one story that someone shared with me about doing this, and I know that it's like, obviously not you, but like other people might resonate with when I was walking around when I was pregnant, everybody would share a story with me about how to raise kids. Like it was just that I don't know you, I'd be on a bus and someone would say and give you a hot tip. And, um, and of course, everyone used to always go with the, your mothers and your mother-in-laws always give you, share all their advice about how you're going to raise your kids. And, and I remember sitting there some days going, do I really look that stupid that people think I need to be told all of these <laughs> things? Um, and then someone pointed out to me and they said, well, you know what? It's just human nature that when people see someone and they want to be able to share their knowledge with you, they're going to tell you what they know. Um, and it's human nature that they want you to accept what they did, because if you copy what they did, it validates them doing it, whether it was right or wrong at the time. So whether it was, you know, oh, we used to strap our kids into the seat with their bouncers because, you know, baby carriages weren't around back then. That doesn't mean we need to do it today, but they almost are seeking that validation that what they did, which they thought was the best at the time, if you continue to do that, then they weren't doing it wrong before. And I think that sometimes we need to get a little bit more empathetic about 
the why people don't want to change. And it's not necessarily us condemning their horrible practices of the past. We're just saying it was what it was. Um, and guess what? As we move forward, we now know new information and there's just new ways of doing things that are better. And that's not saying that you did a bad job before or that you should have known better. It's just there's a better way of doing it now. And I think that understanding that dynamic as we're talking to people and um, especially some of the old dogs in the industry that no one's having to go at them. No one's saying you did it wrong intentionally or that you were trying to kill the planet or that you were trying to do things bad. It's just there's this cool new way of doing it that has all these great benefits that you should probably keep, you know, do it this way in the future and they'll be even better and how wonderful that would be. So I think that's a really cool way of, of passing that forward and acknowledging the history as we move forward as well. But I'm sure that like you, I get faced whenever I talk to people about a few different things that um, there's a number of reasons why people won't want to try those new tricks. Um, and usually it comes from a bunch of myths um, that sort of need to still be, be shattered through our industry um, and sort of working our way through those. So what do you think are three myths that you hope can be busted this year? Okay. Um, well, one of them is that you don't need to be a vegetarian tree-hugging hippie to care about the planet. <laughs> yes. So, like... <laughs> Tradies are not the first thing that spring to mind when you think of sustainability. However, there are lots of tradies that do care and that do or have made big changes in their business to become more sustainable. Um, I've met some fantastic people and businesses in the building industry that have done exactly that. Um, and that tradies themselves need to realise that Yes, you don't need to be a vegetarian tree-hugging hippie to make changes in your business. Becoming green doesn't mean that you, you know, you can choose what you want to do to, to become more sustainable. Um, if that means that, you know, you, you don't become vegetarian straight away, that's okay. But how about you start, you know, um, using non-toxic products? Or how about you start building more sustainable buildings? It's going to be better for your business. So that's that's one myth that's out there in the building industry. It's really hard to break through that. Um, they've got this concept of what mm. a sustainable lifestyle means. Um, of course, it would be great if everyone became vegetarian, including myself. I'm trying, but I'm not yet. Um, but we've got to start somewhere. Um, second thing is, second big myth that I'm hoping to bust this year myself is that electric utes won't work for tradies. <laughs> I, I hope to be one of the first tradies. And like, I, I actually want to get, if anybody's out there who can get an electric ute, please give me a call because... I'd love to take it for a test drive and basically showcase it to tradies. I cannot wait mm. for all the electric vehicles that are, that are going to be coming out. I believe the first electric utes have already arrived in Australia and they're getting tested right now, the Rivian. But there's a whole bunch of different brands that will be coming to Australia either this year yeah. or next year. And uh, I think once tradies actually try them, and see, like, we're, we're paying, I saw um, petrol was $2 here in Melbourne. 
$2 a litre. And I'm thinking to myself, why are people so enthusiastic about paying $2 a litre? Whereas if we (laughs) all had electric vehicles, we could just, you know, fuel up our, our vehicles at home with our solar panels. I mean, even if you don't care about the environment, what a great reason to to get on the EV bandwagon. Yeah. So that's that's a myth that I think is going to be busted in the next 12 months. Third myth is that building sustainably is going to cost the economy. So everybody's concerned about the economy and even if you aren't, you are obviously part of the economy so you're, and so is your business. So we're... People um, are worried that if we all start building sustainably, the economy is going to fall over. Well, that's absolutely not going to happen. Um, there's there's lots of things that are being done now that are actually inefficient. Um, so we'll be able to stop using those products. Or, like, for example, with, with the home that I'm building right now, it's an electric home. So we didn't have to pay for the cost of connecting gas. Yeah. We've saved money by not connecting gas. So everybody thinks about the cost of building sustainably, but no one thinks about all the money they're going to save or that they are saving. So yeah. I think, you know, that that is another myth that is being busted right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and the costs are coming down all the time. There's just absolutely no... No reason not to build sustainable homes anymore. No, no, and you're right. And all run sustainable vehicles. So I think that you, um, in the sustainability world, we always talk about the life cycle costing of products, and that you know even if you do pay a little bit more upfront, which isn't necessarily the case in most areas anymore, um, the ongoing costs of that you know the decreased maintenance, the reduced moving parts. Like you said, it's not only that you don't have to connect your gas; it's you don't have to maintain it either. So, you know, it's, it's that whole, whole of life costing that you can really get into. When you insulate your home correctly, you save on heating and cooling, full stop, you know. So, um, and if you can get away with complete passive design, you'll never need to heat or cool your home, which, you know, most people sort of, it's the first thing we hear about every summer is the air conditioning bills and the, or every winter it's the heating bills. Um, and so wouldn't it be great if we could, that would just become the norm about how silly it is that everyone needs to heat and cool their homes um, because they were poorly designed. Um, and not to mention all of the other waste and circular economy benefits of, of moving everything else through as well, which would be a whole nother hour of a podcast that I'm sure that we could talk through. So anyway, yep. thank you so much, Daniel. Uh, it's been wonderful to chat with you on our podcast. I'm sure we will have you back to talk through a number of things um, in the future. Thanks very much, Hayley, for having me on the program. Thanks everyone for listening to the People Planet Profit podcast and until our next episode, bye.